Good morning! My name's Chris and I am an exile. And if you're a follower of Jesus, so are you. The Bible describes us as citizens of heaven, temporarily living in a foreign land. We're like the people of Judah living in exile in Babylon. And over the past few weeks, we've been learning from a group of these exiles, Daniel and his friends, about what it looks like to be God's people shining for him in the dark surroundings of our world. Today, we're looking at a crucial component of how to do that, prayer. We're going to read a story that might be familiar to many of you. It's Daniel and the Lion's Den from Daniel chapter 6. And Jen's going to read it for us. So if you have a Bible, you can feel free to follow along. Or since it's quite a long passage, feel free just to uh, listen to Jen reading it to you. As you hear the story, I want you to ask, what can I learn from Daniel's prayer life in the midst of the biggest crisis that Daniel faced in his whole life. Over to Jen. Daniel chapter 6. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three high officials, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault, because he was faithful, and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for thirty days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, He went to his house, where he had windows in his upper chamber, open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within thirty days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. 
Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then at break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel! Servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him, and also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. Thanks, Jen. So in this story, there is a new king in town, but Daniel has once again quickly risen to the top. And his character and his competency, his jealous rivals, can simply not find a fault with him. So to try and bring him down, they gang together and trick King Darius into making a new law. No one is allowed to pray to any god or any man for 30 days. If they do, they'll be thrown to the lions. Daniel is clearly a renowned man of prayer. His enemies knew fine well that he would break this law. And sure enough, As soon as he hears of it, Daniel prays. The story gives us a great insight into what Daniel's prayer life looked like and how we too can be a people of prayer in the darkest times. The first point is that Daniel's pattern of prayer was regular. 
Verse 10 says, he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed. It's easy to miss, but Darius' prohibition against prayer was only scheduled to last for 30 days. All Daniel had to do was not pray for one month. But he knew that he needed to pray more than he needed his next breath. Is that your view of prayer? You know, God created you to live in an intimate relationship with him. And Jesus died so that you could enjoy that relationship. Prayer is the lifeblood of your relationship with God. It's where you talk with him and listen to him and receive from him and worship him. It's where you get to see God's power breaking through in your life and in your circumstances. It's where you ask for help. And it's where you rejoice in his closeness with you. Without regular prayer, living life to the full is impossible. And because of that, not only does Daniel pray every day, he prays three times a day. Now, you might be thinking that he must have been somehow obligated to pray that way by some uh, Jewish Old Testament law or something. But, you know, nowhere in the Torah did it say that you had to pray three times a day. Daniel's prayer life wasn't driven by legalism, and it's so important that ours isn't either. Daniel was driven by his love for God and his reliance on him. If you've been a Christian for a while, you might be familiar with the concept of a so-called quiet time where you read your Bible and pray first thing in the morning. I think this is a great idea. I personally find it so helpful just to begin the day hearing God's voice and speaking to him. There is a danger, though, that we can see it a little bit like a tick box exercise where we feel we've done our God time for another day. It's so good to start the day with God, but that should propel us forward into a day of ongoing conversation with him. It might be that, like Daniel, you think the best way that you can achieve that is to have some set points throughout the day where you just take some time out to pray. This is a challenge in the busy lives that we lead, but let's not forget that Daniel was a senior government minister. He was, I think, essentially the same as the, sort of the equivalent of the home secretary or something like that in Babylon. And we would do well to take note uh, of how Daniel prioritized regular prayer in the midst of the pressure and the busyness. When we invite God into our lives through regular prayer, it's amazing what can happen. Jackie Pullinger uh, is a missionary in Hong Kong who works with drug addicts and ex-gang members. And when she first arrived in Hong Kong, she found herself just overwhelmed by all the need around her. And for about two years, she just toiled away without seeing really any breakthrough. Then she decided that she would spend just 15 minutes every day praying in tongues, which is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit described in 1 Corinthians 12 to 14. And here's what she said. After about six weeks, I noticed something remarkable. Those I talked to about Christ believed. I could not understand it at first and wondered how my Chinese had improved or if I'd stumbled on a splendid new evangelistic technique. But I was saying the same things as before. It was some time before I realized what had changed. This time I was talking about Jesus to people who wanted 
to hear. God had heard her prayers and led her to the people he wanted to speak to. And the impact was extraordinary. Person after person met with Jesus and was freed from a life of drug addiction. It was only through the power of prayer that Jackie Pullinger was able to actually do what it was that God was calling her to do. And inspired by this, a friend of mine in Kings recently decided to do the same thing. Set aside 15 minutes every day to pray in tongues. And this week, she told me, I feel like every time I go out now, I'm expecting God to direct where I end up and who I end up speaking to. She's had some amazing conversations about Jesus and more opportunities to invite people to church or to invite people to do pod. She's already seeing an increase in God's power being evident in her life. You can begin putting in place habits like that today. And in a couple of weeks' time, between the 14th and the 20th of June, we'll be having our next King's Church Week of Prayer. I want to encourage you to get the dates in your diary and get involved. I'm convinced that God is calling us right now to dig deeper into regular prayer as individuals and as a church together. As we do, we will see God's light shining into dark situations and shining into lives that are in the grip of darkness. When we prioritize regular prayer, just like Daniel, God can do incredible things. Secondly, Daniel's regular pattern of prayer was repeated again and again and again over the course of a lifetime. There's a wonderful line in verse 10. Daniel prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Now, if you grew up with this story, uh, maybe in kids' picture book Bibles, you're probably picturing Daniel as a pretty young man, but he wasn't. He was almost certainly in his 70s or 80s by the time he was thrown into the lion's den. By the time he was confronted with this crisis, he had a lifetime of habitual, regular prayer behind him. And that repetition bred resilience. Are your daily habits preparing you for the storms of life? By the power of the Holy Spirit, we can train ourselves to persevere in prayer in the good times so that when tough seasons come around, our reflex reaction is not to worry or doubt, but to pray. When I was preparing for this, I just had the picture of a boxer training for a big fight. Boxing is all about training your reflexes over many years so that when your opponent uh, throws a particular punch, maybe a left hook or an uppercut, you instinctively dodge out of the way, dodge the blow that's coming, and then respond with your own counterpunch. And some of boxing's most famous champions have been devastating counterpunchers using their opponent's attacks against them. I believe God wants to train our reflexes so that when the fight comes, and the enemy throws his best punch, we react swiftly with an emphatic counterpunch of prayer. We can start learning how to do that today. I think Daniel did that year in, year out. And it's not easy. It does take discipline. 
you know, over the course of his lifetime of prayer, do you think Daniel went through dry spells where prayer felt more like a chore than a joy? I bet he did. In fact, we know from later in the book that Daniel experienced frustration and delayed answers to prayer. But he didn't give up. He persevered in pursuing the presence of God until he saw breakthrough. Let's do the same. I want to make one more comment on Daniel's age. We live in a culture that dismisses the elderly and places little value on the hard-earned experience of old age. But God does not. Perhaps you're in your 60s or 70s or 80s and you think you've maybe seen the best days behind you. But based on scripture, I think it's safe to assume that greater things are yet to come. God saved the biggest test and the biggest triumph of Daniel's whole life to very late on. Every year spent walking with God and pursuing more of him is of immense value. And God can do so much through a Christian who's faithfully committed to him year after year. However old you are, expect God to use your lifetime of training for his glory. And if you're young, don't despise the season of preparation. Daily disciplines like regular prayer might not sound spectacular, but if repeated and practiced over the course of a lifetime, you will be amazed at what God can do through you. The third point is that in prayer, Daniel purposefully remembered. He remembered God's character, what God had done in the past, and God's promises. There's that strange line in verse 10 where Daniel goes to his house to pray and in his upper chamber, he opens the window toward Jerusalem. Why does he do that? Again, it wasn't something that was required by any Jewish law that you had to pray facing Jerusalem. I think it was just a practical way for Daniel to remind himself of God's promises. In Jeremiah 29, the prophet Jeremiah wrote to Daniel and the other exiles with a promise from God that he would one day bring them back from exile in Babylon to Jerusalem. He'd not forgotten about them. He would rescue them. And by praying towards the holy city, Daniel is looking with hope to that future and actively remembering the covenant promises of God. We too should draw on things in prayer that stir us to faith. I don't know, it might be particular scriptures that contain God's promises or reminders of his character. It might be stories that have a particular resonance for you in the situation that you're currently in. Or it might be personal testimonies, something God's done in your past or uh, something that God has done in people's lives that you know. Friends of mine, uh, just as an example, keep a prayer journal where they write down their requests to God and the way that he's answered them. What better way to encourage you as you come to pray than by remembering all the ways that God has answered your prayers in the past. As you come before God in prayer, it is so helpful to start by focusing on who you are praying to rather than just what you are praying about. I think that's why Daniel prayed and gave thanks before his God, as it says, even when his circumstances were really bleak. When we thank God for who he is and what he has done, 
leads us to worship him. And when we worship, our prayers are transformed. We're reminded of God's power. So we pray bigger and bolder prayers. We're reminded of his generosity. So we ask for more. We're reminded of his faithfulness. So we persevere in prayer. And we're reminded of his kindness. So we pray honest prayers. I don't know if you've noticed, but Daniel seems to be the only person in this whole story who has any peace. The plotters are are thronging around the king, busy and anxious in their scheming. And King Darius is trapped in an awful situation, brought about, has to be said, by his own stupidity and vanity. He's got this agonizing night of stress as he thinks about the fate of his favorite servant, Daniel. But Daniel himself is seemingly calm because he remembers who his God is. Clearly, it's better to be a person of faith in a lion's den than it is to be a king in a palace with no faith. Daniel knows that his God is more powerful than his political enemies, more just than the laws of the Persian Empire, and stronger than lions. Prayer is at its best when it is rooted in the promises and character of God. Finally, prayer results in rescue. The story ends up with God answering Daniel's prayer. He rescues Daniel from certain death, it says in verse 23, because Daniel trusted in his God. You might not be facing the threat of execution, but death is something that will come to us all. If you trust in Jesus, it will not be able to hold you because of an act of rescue infinitely greater than the one that we've read about today. 600 years after he saved Daniel from an unjust fate in the lion's den, God did not spare his own son, Jesus, from the unjust sentence of death handed down to him. Daniel was thrown into what was intended to be his tomb, the lion's den, and did not die. But Jesus was crucified and killed on a Roman cross before being placed inside his tomb, guarded by a heavy stone. But just as Daniel walked free from the lion's den, so too did Jesus Christ walk free from the tomb. And death wasn't just postponed, it was shattered. And because of Jesus' victory, all those who trust in him will experience that same victory over death. It will have no hold on us. If you want to ask God to rescue you from death itself today, you can ask him to save you. It's a prayer that he loves to answer, and I would love to uh, speak with you more about that. You can email me. My email address will be in the YouTube chat, or um, you can contact me via the King's Church website. You know, God loves to answer prayers. Some of you really need to hear that this morning because you've kind of slipped into feeling like you're twisting God's arm when you're praying. In verse 27, it says that, He's a God who delivers and rescues. He delights in rescuing his people. 
he even hears the simplest prayer for help, and it just brings him great glory to respond. Just look at how the pagan king, Darius, praises God when he witnesses God saving Daniel. In the story, everything was against Daniel, except God. And he was more than enough to deliver him. I wonder if you're facing a situation today that is overwhelming. And you just really need a breakthrough. In a moment, there's going to be a chance for you to just come before God in prayer. And I also encourage you after the service is over to reach out to somebody in church, maybe somebody in your small group, and just ask them to pray with you this week. There's so much we can learn from Daniel about how to be a person of prayer. His pattern of prayer was regular. It was repeated again and again over the course of a lifetime. It was founded on remembering the promises and character of God, and it resulted in rescue. We're going to worship now. And as Dara sings, I want to encourage you to come to God in prayer. Let these words of King Darius at the end of this chapter stir your faith and remind you of the amazing God that you're praying to today. He is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end of the earth. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions.